hate speech was was uh, developed by uh, legal theorists, people like Catherine McKinnon uh, and others, who uh, 25 or 30 years ago uh, introduced the idea in the law that uh, pornography, for example, was a kind of sexual discrimination against women. And it was a very clever tactic because conservatives don't like pornography either. Uh, and uh, But they introduced the idea, therefore, if you want to control pornography, though, you can expand the definition of what that means, and then you get into the area of uh, a kind of a radical feminist view, uh, that if you happen to express other kinds of opinions that a feminist believes is offensive, not just pornography, but other kinds, uh, then that be can become a, something that you can control through the law. Then it got expanded as multiculturalism uh, uh, spread uh, to all kinds of minority groups. And so not just women, but uh, blacks, uh, any other kind of racial minorities, and then increasingly so-called sexual minorities, people's sexual preferences and the like, they all got put in the same uh, area of protection. And so the theories were developed through the law that if you express uh, any kind of uh, disagreement or criticism of these groups, uh, you are doing so because you hate them, and therefore uh, you, the, the speech can be uh, curtailed. The point I make in the book is, is that uh, what was happened is, is that the belief in a new kind of equality was used to curtail freedom of speech. Freedom of speech had been a classic liberal virtue, at least on the surface, even back in 1964, the rise of the free speech movement in Berkeley, uh, the right to dissent. It was called the free speech movement. Uh, even the progressives after World War I believed in dissent and freedom of speech. But my point is, is that uh, the postmodern left started basically jettisoning free speech in the name of equality uh, for these new identity groups. And that was the wedge in which now there are a lot of people on the postmodern left, Stanley Fish, for example, who believe free speech is a complete fiction. It doesn't exist. Everything is a social construct. And so if it doesn't exist, then there's no ethical value to it, and therefore it can be regulated by the law. And uh, that is what we're dealing with, because the average American is just thinking, well, I don't want to be offensive to somebody, so maybe I really should tolerate somebody else's losing their freedom of speech, so long as nobody touches mine. Uh, and that's the way it was working, because it was going after people uh, and groups that were unpopular with the American public. Uh, and so if they denied them their freedom of speech, it wasn't a big issue. But the saving graces, Supreme Court has had no use for this. The Supreme Court has defended freedom of speech and the First Amendment fairly consistently. And so the hate speech ideology so far has not entered the Supreme Court. But what happens if you get, for example, Hillary Clinton elected, and you get uh, a new Supreme Court Justice who believes in this stuff. And, and you already have an attorney general who's already, there. You already have an attorney general. She believes very much in hate speech. At that point, the uh, uh, you, you, you shift it. You could have a, a fundamental uh, shift to the paradigm in favor of the Supreme Court making hate speech the law of the land. I think it's worth noting also that Hillary Clinton in particular supported at the UN a human rights um, resolution which basically called for uh, punishing anti-Islamophobic speech in effect, which is de facto and may end up potentially de jour enforcement of Islamic blasphemy laws in the West. So right. that speaks to how pernicious it is. That's right. 
All you have to do in the hate speech and ideology is, is maneuver your cause into a protected minority position. Once you're there, then you can uh, mobilize the whole ideology to protect yourself, no matter how crazy it is. Uh, you know, most most uh, secular liberals, you know, would not have the time of day for radical or for Islamic uh, views of uh, of marriage and sexual relations and the like, and so they just compartmentalize it off because that's they know that's no threat to them. Number one, because they're not a majority, but number two, uh, they know that uh, that they are a minority inside the larger American culture, and they know what conservatives fear and believe. And also, they and they, uh, to be very honest, they also uh, believe that it's a good counterweight to uh, to the Christians uh, in, society, in American society. So, if you get in that position, you know you can get away with an awful lot. 